Hey everyone and welcome to Signals from the Frontline, your every Wednesday live broadcast brought to you here by Frontline Gaming. I am your host, Seth the Mad Dog, and your competitive correspondent. And tonight, I am joined by the head hobby goblin himself, Jacob Thayer. Welcome aboard, Jacob. Hey everyone, how's it going? So, uh, in case folks haven't haven't seen or heard from you before and they're living under a rock, uh, tell everyone a little bit about yourself, Jacob. Uh, so, um, I run uh, Hobby Goblins here out of Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, mm -hmm. It's our home base, but we've actually uh, been collecting very talented individuals all over the country at this point. So, so you're like um, the Thanos of, of hobbying. Uh, yes, yes. Just imagine if Thanos had little to no motivation and just valued friendship. That's, uh, that's exactly the, the Thanos that I would be. Uh, snap my fingers and... Uh, I'm sure there's well. a parallel universe where that's Thanos. Uh, I, I guess maybe the Marvel What If series kind of yeah. vibed with that. I don't know if you saw if, if oh, yeah, uh, seen that. Black Panther that. became Star Lord. Yeah, that's that's my kind of Thanos right there. I can find that. Yeah. Uh, but no, we're uh, we're a combination of um, a traveling competitive team. So we've been to a, a, just a ton of, of frontline gaming events, some of our favorites. Um, so you've probably seen the jersey around the country mm -hmm. at some point if you're a traveling player. Uh, we also have a commissioned paint studio that we do a lot of stuff like the trophies and the props. We, we paint those up. Um, you can see those in the background of our, our YouTube channel and another third outing for us. Uh, battle report series called Cave Reps that we do Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've, been, I've been checking out the Cave Reps. They're a lot of fun. Um, but you know, and you guys, you're also the painter of all of your trophies, uh, right. which sound, they all look amazing for all the frontline gaming events. Uh, I actually, I was Man, looking through your feed tonight and you actually just did a, a las gun for the army esports team, which turned out really well. Right. Yeah. Oh, it was super cool too. Doing uh, tackling digital camo um on a on a full-size prop was was a unique challenge that was a lot of fun man yeah. a lot of fun very happy with how it turned out um if i'm honest it you know we've got ours painted up we call the flashlight uh i think theirs got painted up a little bit better you know yeah. to be you honest. always do your so. first, you do the test one on yours and then right uh, i've actually been having some some conversations with um uh tj lanigan has been doing a lot of commission painting and he's having nice. trouble like not painting his commissions to what he considers his standard when clients like i just want tabletop he's like but no i got to put like 17 highlights on this thing right well you know and that's a there's some wisdom that comes with doing it for a while and like the way that we tackle that problem is simply you know we're a very small commission studio we only mm -hmm. take on so many projects a year and they have to be of a minimum quality because we're not going to paint under that quality even if we try yeah. So um, that that makes us a bit more bespoke at that rate, but it allows us to like really leverage our artistic sensibilities and create things that we believe in. You know, yeah. uh, my hats off to all the commission painters out there that do just simple battle ready production work, man. Um, that there's there's a, a lot of time and energy that goes into that, and not being able to like really really dig in on the art process feels like you're you're leaving some of the joy on the table. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Well, so, uh, you know, this is the normal what have you been up to segment. Um, right. But, but Jacob, you, you've been on the show before. We've talked about your favorite cereal. So I'm going to throw you for a loop, even though we didn't talk about it pre-show. I want to know your favorite baked potato topping. My favorite baked potato topping. I had finally figured out my witty cereal answer, and oh, now yeah. it's a baked potato topping. Right. Um, you know, this is a tough one, man. Like, this is harder than cereal because there are so many things that are good on a baked potato. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, uh, the American enemy just has to go with cheese. I mean, a baked potato yeah, I think has that's to a have solid, solid answer. You know, yeah. a good solid. I'm going to play it safe with this one. Right? All right. All right. Well, I, I'll accept that tonight. You know, we've already we uh, baked potato better than cereal kicker. You heard it here first. Um, yeah. But uh, what have you been up to lately? What have you been working on? 
What's been going on? Uh, so we're just on the mad push for, you know, getting everything ready for LVO. Uh, we're oh, all yeah, super right. pumped that about that. Up. Right. Um, we're going to be out there with uh, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these props, you know, to, to get some photos with people and like kind of just, you know, get to meet, meet the crowd. Uh, I'm not going to be taking part in the games this year. I'll be um, just serving as, as one of the paint judges to, you know, kind of, take the time to be able to take in all that artistry um so i'd love for people to come by say hello get a picture with me yeah yeah looking forward to it um the other day i was talking with joe from war games live and uh he he made me panic slightly when he reminded me that lvo is like less than six business weeks away right and i was just like oh crap he's right that's a problem it's really close yeah, and it's, uh, you know, we've got a couple of commissions that are waiting top of the year, you know, waiting until third week of January for us to get them kicked off just because, you know, we've got we've got the trophies that are getting on the table next week, yep. you know, in our typical last minute fashion. We've got the the trophies for um, a couple of a uh, couple of 40K trophies, a Sigmar trophy. You know, we've also got a couple of other things being rolled out that'll have some awards assigned to them, too. So I don't want to spoil any, uh, any of those. I might have spoiled something about a cosplay award okay. in chat. Right. Yeah. So that's been the head scratcher right there. It's like, well, you know, maybe they don't just want a chainsaw. Like, yeah, like, what is the right? Chainsaw, yeah. well, that's good. Yes. Nice We're going to try and cook up something creative yeah. for, for that, you know, and, and maybe it'll require the, the cosplayer get a 40 K cosplay by the end of it. We'll see. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but you're playing 40 K cosplay now. Right. Now, yeah. welcome to the land of space Marines. Yeah. Uh, on my end, I, I just came back from a, uh, a three-day event over the weekend in Warzone Atlanta. Uh, took my nice. Vulcan, my Dirty Space Dwarves. Uh, managed to go uh, four and three with some some close games to uh, losses to Chaos Space Marines and Black Templar, which uh, were, were kind of issues I knew going in, but had a good time. Managed to, to go 2-0 against the, the Menace uh, Eldar. Um, nice. and even, even cursed one of my friends at the event by declaring that his way leaper and his fugum would both roll ones for the get up in our game. And they did, which was uh, kind of a big deal when, when those two characters are like, we're just dead. And I'm like, yes, you are. You're God. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. We, uh, we actually just had Votan on the stream. First time I've yep. got to see him 10th edition. Um, we had, we, we were lucky enough to get some painted up by a local guy, a guy named Dan Burl painted up mm -hmm. a beautiful beautiful Votan army uh and then lent it to lent it to us for stream so that was fantastic it looked like a lot of fun i'll oh, be honest as, as a work player it, it looks like a fun change of pace it looks like it plays like buggies should have played <laughs> you're like oh they're zipping okay. around everywhere and shooting things yeah and then guys are getting out with big hammers and smashing stuff and you're like i want that why can't i have that right yeah right well, you know there, there might be some life left in the future for yep, uh, yep. for buggies you know we can we can hold out hopes yeah, uh, Dorian. It was actual. It was it was Gladius Black Templars actually, um, not Ironstorm or the Black Templar detachment. It was Gladius Black Templars. That advance in charge is pretty pretty spicy out of them boys. So um, let's get into the, the GW news. I'll, I'll take us through that, and then we'll get into the fun stuff awesome. with Jacob in a minute. But uh, the kind of the big thing coming up this weekend is the Black Library preview. Uh, go check it out. Um, we're gonna have all kinds of new stories and content coming out for 40k Heresy Age of Sigmar. Um, and the world of legends, AKA the old world. Um, John French, Judd Reed, Mike Brooks, Guy Haley, and Mark Collins are all supposed to be debuting new books at the event. So pretty excited for that. Uh, do you, do you partake much in the, the black library lore, Jacob? 
Uh, I do everything um, through podcasts, like, you know, and, and lore channels. Um, that's the easiest thing to digest while I'm staring for hours into a hobby light. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I do. I am trying to read more before I go to bed, get off the phone, you know, uh, get a little uh, a little space from the Internet for a bit. So I always like having a good right. pile of Black Library books stocked up there. That's fair. That's fair. It's actually something I did as a kid. I haven't revisited since, but yeah. uh, might be worth considering. Yeah, uh, KR Quinn in chat is pointing out that Eldar actually won Warzone Atlanta. And that was actually won by a, a, a friend that I have down in Montgomery named Zach Martin. And he ran all the, the bad units, all about the good stuff. Uh, and I after the event, I told him, I was like, Zach, you screwed up. And he's like, why? And I was like, you won an event with Eldar without using Night Spinners and Wraith Guard and the Avatar. So now everyone knows that the book can still win without that stuff. So uh, yeah, Zach's a great guy. Yeah. Uh, he he actually uh, frequents a lot of our local stuff as well. Yeah. Um, he he had those at our, our recent GT. That same I'm not sure if it's the same list, but the same Eldar paint, the the pink and yeah, peach, the pink, and, like kind of pink beige one. Yeah, uh, really cool. Yeah, so uh, great job for him. And then I, as I had to make fun of him for you know spoiling it that uh, perhaps perhaps he let the cat out of the bag. There's other good things in the Eldar Codex besides Wraithguard and Avatar and Night Spinners. So. Right. No, they, you know, a lot of times there's there's plenty of good stuff hidden, uh, oh, yeah. but the the low hanging fruit is what everybody's talking yeah, the, about. Everybody, that's the know. most efficient thing. But the the next step in in efficiency is you know it's still pretty darn good, even if it's just a little less oh, efficient. Oh, sure. Those sure. other things take some creative problem solving. I really enjoyed you yeah. know all that ninth edition run of staying off meta with orcs for that same reason, just kind of yeah. figure out a different problem. Well. Uh, GW did up their pre-orders. Uh, we have the new Necromunda book, Apocrypha uh, Necromunda. So that's the new uh, the new expansion for that uh, new campaign book. I really wish I had time to get into one of these uh, kind of small scale narrative games um, because they're always a lot of fun, kind of developing your warband in between events. Um, and Necromunda has some amazing models. They're putting out the uh, Palantine Enforcer, which just uh, screams to the modelers in us, uh, Orc Buggy fodder. Yeah, definitely. It definitely like it's. I'm like that looks like it's about the right size for an orc, but we slack that thing on a base, orc it up. I think we could get some good good use out of that. Lots of good fodder in the in the Necromunda line for that for sure. Yeah, we have a we have a question in chat that I, I it's a nice you know softball for you, Jacob. Do any of the hobby goblins actually play at FLG events? Oh, absolutely. Um, actually, the vast majority of them do. I, I did through last year uh, is when I had an opportunity to step up and start contributing to the hobby in general via uh, paint judging is when I stepped away. But now we've got uh, people of all skill levels um, because, you know, we're there for the we're there for the game. We're there for the fun. Um, but, you know, one of my guys, Rob Hawkins, man, he's he's been threatening he's top tables quite a bit. Threatening uh, with the, de the death guard always causing problems. Uh, he's. He's always cooking up just something crazy. I remember, you know, New Orleans uh, GW event, you know, long before they were cool. He brought a Grey Knights list with a Land Raider and finished positive just to see if he could. Just to see if he could bring a Land Raider. Just to see. Like, I think like six servitors in the list. So, like, you know, clearly he wasn't expecting too much out of it. But, uh, but yeah, no, we've got, we've got people that um, can play the game at a very high level. Yeah, they certainly do over there. Uh, getting back to, to some products, they also previewed – Come on, computer. Uh, the new uh, Thousand Sons uh, Librarian Council. Um, I, you know, I don't play Horus Heresy, but I certainly would expect to see that model slip right into some 40K uh, Thousand Sons armies. Um, it has 
all the right iconography on it. Oh yeah. So I uh, always do like to see those models uh, coming out. And uh, I do like their, their cherry red armor scheme that they do for the, the pre heresy stuff. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, not my vibe in turn. Like, I definitely like the newer Thousand Sun stuff, like a lot better color theory happening with it. But, yeah. you know, all of the models are beautiful. All right. Well, one more one more little bit of business to take care of before we get into the fun stuff. Um, some of you might have seen this posted around on the Army Painter page as well as now recently on the FLG page. But unfortunately, the, the owner of Army Painter, uh, Bo, who normally attends LVO every year, uh, is unable to make it because of life commitments, but he has a ticket. So now he is running a competition to win Bo's 40K ticket. So go check out their social media. Go check out ours. Find the links to the to the, the contest and get you a chance to win a, a ticket to the LVO at 40, or 40K at LVO uh, because it's sold out. And this is probably one of the few ways short of finding someone on the, the community page selling a ticket for you to get one uh, before the event. So go check out Bo there and see what uh, nonsense the Army Painter has has cooked up for you to to get that ticket. But now that we got all that business talk out of the way, um, you did allude to it, Jacob, but I, I do want to point out that you kind of have stepped up uh, over the last, you know, six months to a year in that time frame um, to really help kind of uh, become the, the main hobby judge for a lot of our events and to really start to try to elevate the, the level of the hobby at uh, our events. Um, so I think in ACO this year, we, we did the first showcase uh, uh, top cut, so to speak, for uh, paint. Judging. Really successful. Yeah. And it was great. I had a lot of fun going through all those armies with those guys. Um, so I kind of wanted to, to pick your brain uh, sure. as a judge and try to figure out what is it the judges are looking for in armies that make that top cut and, and what players at home that maybe are trying to compete for said uh, bragging rights, what they can do to kind of help get themselves over that hump. Um, because there's particularly at something like LVO, there's going to be a lot of really good looking armies, but it's how do you get yourself just that little bit extra. So kind of take us through it, man. Well, let's kind of, let's kind of start at the, at the top here. Uh, You you asked for like the, the, the things that judges are looking for specifically. I think they can be summed up into kind of three categories in in no specific order, right? You know, you you want a a theme that is consistent. You know, everybody knows we need a battle board, Mm -hmm. right? It doesn't have to be a huge battle board. You know, some, some people like big battle boards, you know, like this guy, but that's not a a qualifying factor, right? Uh, The fact that your battle board and your army work together cohesively is the biggest thing yeah. right um and you another big uh, just kind of illustrate your points here this is andrew andrew right? Gagno's, uh tau army that he's been taking all over the place um, but he has that kind of purple armor theme and then he built in that that purple fortification to tie it into as well as kind of tying the basing uh from that army into that uh, and you got it pop back and you got it you a better look at all that and so when we take a look at this image, I included this one specifically because now we're in a realm where, you know, you're, you're talking about like special effects for cinema. You're talking about old Lucas films, all, all these all these old tricks. This is what they were doing, you know, with the, to, to create a lot of these effects. Right. This looks like models that are engaging in an environment. And if it wasn't for a black base rim elevating it off of the surface, this could be very believable with very minor effects. Right. Mm-hmm. So. The, you're, we're going to process that. Us judges are going to process it and say, is this board an afterthought or is this board something that is propelling the story that the army paint is being told, right? Yeah. And that's another big aspect. Another big thing we're going to be looking for is originality, right? Um, you can paint box art and that's a great demonstration of technique. 
right? But if you're not taking an opportunity with your full composition to do something creative, right, then it's going to be real easy for, you know, a certain army to, to just kind of fade into the background. If you've got box art, you know, iron warriors and there's eight iron warriors competing, right? Well, yeah. you know, chances are, you know, you're going to look a whole lot like the rest of them. So being able to do something unique and creative is another thing that's really going to make you stand out. Yeah. And that goes all the way down to your, your color theory. Um, right. You know, even looking here, kind of the foreground of the image, he has his crude hounds that he's painted kind of different. They're, they're still in the same shades, uh, but we've got right. some more vibrant colors there to make them pop out a little bit more. Right. And we will, we can definitely talk about a lot of the compositional stuff as well to really propel that. Um, but those are the, 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 uh, let me just put a, put a cap on this, right? If you're painting a box art army, because you like the way box art looks, the battle board is your opportunity to do that thing that's creative, right? It's that, that the opportunity for you to take and say, yep, I might just be ultramarines or I might just be, you know, your traditional chaos knight scheme, but this is my opportunity to tell that story. Yeah. So the composition of the whole thing, I think, is is the the biggest and most important element, right? Composition is going to include your color theory. It's going to include, you know, the the elements within the thing. It's also the narrative, right? Mm -hmm. If you look at um, Andrew's board right there, he's that's telling a story. Those guys are are moving towards that point of action that's just off of that table board, right? So you've got you've got movement that's happening, and you've got you know, a, like you said, an excellent use of color theory. When you really get in close on those models, you'll see you know excellent technique as well, right? Yeah. So it's before the we move biggest in the board. I do want to I I, sure. I I see this on, on a few people's boards, and I always think it's worth pointing out having that backdrop really does help frame the board. Um, it does. Cause if you take that backdrop away, he still has, you know, an amazing board and amazing painting skills, but just that simple background to that scene really does help set up uh, the image in your head. And so when you're talking about composition, right. that really does go all it's, it's like having the, you know, I always think of the base rim as kind of the frame of the model. So this sure. sort of helps frame this, this image in my mind of, yeah, they're in this base, they're deploying out, they're advancing towards me, uh, wherever I am on the battlefield. So yeah, I think that's worth it, but we will hop ahead to, uh, you had a close up here of some of the work he did on one of his cell suits. Right. So that'll give you, that'll give you some of the real basics, right? Um, another thing that I really want to talk about here, because we're talking about winning and, and winning is great. Everybody likes to win. Right. But if we set our goal as the win, then we're also setting a, a qualifier. Right. And we're mm -hmm. saying that if I don't win, I'm not good enough. Right. And so the other big thing about this is you have to have whether you're playing the game competitively, whether you're hobbying competitively, you have to have a clear understanding of where you are and where you want to go. And you need to consider those things in a vacuum. Right. Um, mm -hmm. A couple other, if you compare yourself to, you know, uh, Andrew Gagno here, or you compare yourself to a couple of the other photos that you'll see here in a moment, some, you know, the Eric Mullins, the Kevin Grubbs, the Matt Aaron, the guys that are sitting up top of the hobby track. If you compare yourself to those guys and say, hey, I like my stuff, I must be as good as them, you're probably not looking at all the things that have made them great. You're not seeing all of the failed models that they've put out or the projects that they've had to strip and start over. Yeah, you're like, not I, seeing... The number of times I hear people talk about, yeah, I screwed that up, so I just stripped it and restarted. It's it's a thing, right? And yeah. so if you if you compare yourself 
to a person that is doing something that maybe they've cultivated that skill over 10, 20 years. And, you know, you're a year, two years, three years into the hobby, you're wanting to be somebody, you know, that is very well and doable, but you have to have an honest understanding of where you're at and where you want to go. Because if you don't podium or win, right, you need to still be able to walk away from that knowing that you've accomplished something fantastic. Right. And so the biggest question, I think, isn't so much about how to win the hobby track. It's about how to look at the nature of it in general. Now, we're, this is an art exchange. This is an opportunity as artists, as creatives to put our work out in front of peers and put our work out in front of, of, of an audience that's you know completely objective and share this process that we've put out there. And, and that, that should be the accolade you're looking to bring back from each and every event. And if you do that, then those times that you take home a trophy because of the, because of your work it just makes it all the sweeter. But you don't have the sting of I wasn't good enough. Yeah. And I, I think in that vein, challenging yourself to progress as a painter and grow as a, a artist, no one ever wants to be static. No one ever wants to, to, I did this and this was as good as I can get and I stopped. Everyone's always looking right. for the next step, the next thing to try. Um, and particularly sometimes at least for myself at least in the hobby there can be a bit of entrapment when you're working on a project like i my orc army has been in some form or fashion uh the same scheme since 2012 but i as a painter have grown significantly since when i was started painting then so you do want to keep the same scheme but you want to try to grow it. you want to try new things and you don't want to get locked in and so i think you know a lot of times me going to an event and getting feedback about what I can do with my paint to improve for the next time around and, and try and, and being okay with being like, all right, this isn't, you know, some of these models aren't as good as I could have been, but I'm doing something new in the army, in the scheme. And I'm going to try, I'm going to push myself. I'm going to do a little bit more that I didn't do on that original kill a can and this right. kill a can, I'm going to try something next and, and kind of slowly evolve in that. And it does, Right. Yeah, you can evolve enough as a painter to have kind of some disparity between the models, but then you just have an excuse to go back and paint some stuff again. Well, that's what that's what hero characters are for, yeah. right? Like, you know, you've got, uh, like I mentioned Matt Aaron again. I mean, he paints every model to the nines. You know, if you look at down to his little pox walkers, man, yeah. he's got them painted to the nines. If you look at my Gretchen, you can you can clearly pick out the three contrast colors that went on the model. Right. Yeah. Um, where if you look at a lot of the higher end characters, we spend more time and energy and effort on those characters. So you definitely that's a great way to not feel like you're trapped within a style and not able to kind of grow and improve based off of years old models is is those centerpiece models. Those those uh, those characters, the the big model that you might not ever use. Right. Like uh, I've got a gargantuan squiggeth on the docket. Haven't started it yet, um, but I'm going to get it painted and uh, I might never play it. Yep, yep, you know, but it'll definitely be something I show off. I, I think mine's never actually graced the table, but it certainly has been painted. Um, we do have right. a few questions selfishly in chat from Kicker, who's definitely not converting a feudal guard army. Asks, um, how does kit bashing slash convergence come into play when judging armies? So I think that's going to fall into that um, originality sort of vibe. Kit bashing is an opportunity to do something on your model that's creative and original. Right. So if you've taken the time to do things that are kit bashed and kit bashed well, they are going to add value to your board. Matter of fact, on the rubric um, that 
we, the whole other conversation on how the rubric works, right? But yeah. on the rubric, the initial qualifying questions, there is a box there for Kitbash, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so having some sort of element of Kitbash, you know, is good. Now, if you're playing a pretty standard army that doesn't really have a whole lot of opportunity for you to break out and just put a tentacle on the thing, right? Well, there's all kinds of other ways. Like you can make banners out of various materials. There's all kinds of opportunities yeah, within the base in itself to include, you know, joints, uh, change some poses. Things but it's representative there. First. Right. It's there to represent the creativity, right? right? The originality, doing something just not just out of the box. Yep. Yep. Uh, we have another definitely not selfish question um, from uh, the Road Warrior himself, Mikey G. Uh, and I'm going to rephrase here for a little bit because I think I know what he's going at, but I'm not sure I understood it. Uh, how do you feel about having a best appearance, including display board and best painted, judged solely on the painting technique to make things more engaging if you don't have a board? I would maybe spin that to maybe having a best army and then a best single miniature. Uh, to be honest with you, I could I could sit down with you and name off 15 trophies that would be amazing to give out. You know, uh, a couple of things that we're talking about for um, for this next season is potentially being able to open up more opportunities to be able to give out prizes and awards. Again, something I don't really uh, want to spoil there. But um, I know that this question comes up a lot from the competitive-minded people that are chasing the hobby track, especially a lot of your guys that want Ren Man, but they're traveling and they don't want to have a board and they feel like, well, I painted my army very well, but I don't have a board. But like maybe, you know, the idea of, of the paint requires extra layers, right? If you want to be the top, if you want to have the top award, right? Mm -hmm. I think it needs to cover both. And simply being that everybody makes sacrifices to earn the accolades they earn, right? Your, yeah. your top competitive players sacrifice hours and hours and hours of just meta analysis and, and running games and reps yep. and like, you know, um, and you know, the painter's uh, the painter's plot is that we've got to spend our hours at the work table too, but we've also, uh, we're not taking the culmination of all that effort in our brains with us. We have a physical thing, thing that we've yeah. got to deliver. And so that's a part of the sacrifice. Now, am I saying that in order to win an event, you have to, you know, pack up a big old display board in your vehicle and drive for 18 hours to get to it? No, not at all. Um, matter of fact, the contrary is the case. Uh, in you brought up Atlantic City. There's a gentleman, I believe his name was Miguel, brought out some uh, Necrons mm -hmm. to Atlantic City, and he had them uh, all built into uh, a carrying case, magnetic carrying case, tray mm -hmm. slide into the box. Yep. And when he pulled them out, he had epoxy resin, he had a swamp diorama built into each and every one of the trays, and laid his trays out and created this remarkable scene. Right. And um, if I remember correctly, he made podium yep. with almost not having a battle board because of how low of a footprint it was. So when it comes to people that are saying, hey, I can't I can't like do a compete in paint because I can't travel the battle board. I can't do all of this. We put we put our limits on ourselves. Like, if you want to do a thing, then you have to turn to that creativity. You have to figure yeah. out a way to make that work within your constraints. And it can be done and it can be done very, very well. Yeah. I, I mean, I certainly, I, I like the idea of, of breaking that up. Like you were saying, having multiple words, because um, I pulled up um, some images here of Kevin Grubbs uh, yep. ultramarines. This is something that very easily, if, if you want, if there was like a best squad uh, award, something like this, this is like company of heroes, uh, the, the little new uh, four or five man kit that uh, they came out with a new space Marine codex. Um, you could paint up something like this, 
he does a fantastic job in, with these images, with these models. And this is something that very easily could be put in a, a fairly small uh, and well-padded box and brought on your carry-on and taken to an event. But I think if we have the next image lined up, oop, there we go, we have his whole battle board. Um, right. And so, yeah. And now, I haven't been able to see this in person yet. I'll tell you that. Like, he unveiled this one um, for Atlanta. Uh, and I, I had the pleasure, you know, Kevin's, uh, Kevin's a goblin, right? So I, I've got the pleasure of, 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 of being able to bend his ear plenty, and we were able to share back and forth art techniques and feedback on the work that we're doing. Uh, and I got to sit down with him on the brainstorming session of this as he kind of laid out what he had planned for it. And I'll tell you, you know, just off the pictures alone, it turned out way better than even I imagined during those sessions, man. Super talented guy out of Dallas, Texas. Yeah. And, and I did see this in person and, and I think you're right. We do need to like recognize someone that is going to go above and, and beyond just the, the painting of the individual models to, con to, to plan and construct, because you can see here in the image, this is, um, I don't know if it's really a battle barge or a fortress, but it's basically an installation of ultramarines. But there are different theming to the rooms. We have the apothecary and we have the garage. So he has right. different models in there telling the story, like all of the armor is down in the garage. That's where it would right. be in the shop, you know. So it, it definitely is is a step beyond just a, a really highly painted uh, or high quality paint job on a squad or individual model having this this large composition like he has here right and i you know i was picking on kevin right then a few moments ago when i mentioned if you're going to paint ultramarines right um ultramarines are very common chapter if you paint up ultramarines really well and they're on the table next to another ultramarines really well you know they're not going to stand out you know you have to do something like kevin's done here in order to make a box art army that doesn't have a whole lot of creative color choices in it. Mm -hmm. You've got to do something to really elevate it. He yeah, knocked it so out of he's, the park. He's even put in other characters here that are not part of the army. He's got more or less kind of a holographic, uh, you know, strategy board there that looks sort of oddly like a kill team board. Now that I look at it. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm psyched to see it in Vegas. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to seeing it in person. Um, and then, uh, you know, we were talking about kit bashing a moment ago. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't, I don't know if there's a better example of, of non-traditional kit bashing uh, than Matt Aaron, right? Mm -hmm. um, another top performer. And when you look at his board, just about everything, if not everything, has got some sort of kit bash component. Yeah, custom right? or bespoke models, yeah. Right. That's, that's, uh, that's the sculptor in him right? Mm -hmm. You know, the people that lend towards kit bashing are the people that like, they want to just like, not just paint something, they want to build something, they want to create, right? Uh, and, you know, when you when you take a look at his Death Guard army, there's plenty of opportunities for you to see something that's like, oh, that was an easy kit bash to consider. But there's a ton of work in there that when you get up and you look close, that's when you realize it's actual kit bashing on, on some of the models, right? Um, those are the things that's going to, that's why he won the hobby track this in the last year. That's why, you know, he's, you know, in the top, uh, in the top three or four seats mm -hmm. this year. I, I haven't checked here recently, but that's why he stays on top of his game is because he's combining all these elements. All right. Well, so we've looked at some, some awesome models here. Um, this is uh, Eric Mullins here. That's another one of our guys here. He's one of our original Gabos out here of Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I threw these images in here as well because of the size conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, before the board that we've got uh, here, Eric had a board nearly the size of. Uh, well, let me let me just call it my orc battle board. You can kind of see it yeah, in the back it's, there. It's a yeah. It's a chunky boy. Um, but you know, he, his battle board was 
was very large as well. And he came back and he's like, look, I've got to get something that fits on a cart that travels easier. And the new battle board he created half the size, twice the quality. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's also an economy of work there. You can put, you know, not to say your battle board, you put a ton of work in it is, is amazing. I've seen it in person, but um, Thanks, man. You, you scale it down. It also gives you that chance to, to you know, put a little bit more work into the, the small details of a board like this. Well, let me tell you this about a big battle port, right? You know, when you're dealing with, again, we're going to go back to the almighty composition, right? We have a thing internally called, you know, detail clustering, right? Where the larger a thing is, the more you have to pack into it to make it feel real, right? A smaller board. Right. You get a little detritus, you get a couple little roots up, you know, that's the, that all sells fine when you've got a small space, but when you've got a giant board, all of those areas of the board that are basically undetailed, maybe it's yeah, a textured rock. It's almost a negative space at that point that needs. Right. And, and so if you come out with just a giant board thinking, you know, size is going to win, you know, you're going to be judged more harshly for that battle board based upon the amount of detail that you make in. Are you are you using real estate just to make it big, or are you filling that real estate with with things of interest, with 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 fun artistic moments? Right, that's really what's going to be called for. The bigger you go. Yeah. So so let me ask you this. So you're a player that that is working on on improving their paint skills, and they've set that personal goal that they want to make a top cut at an event. They want to get pulled up for that that showcase, and you don't make it. What what should you be doing at that point? Like, how do you? What's the next step for you in, in that process? Uh, well, the the I think the very first thing that you do is make sure that you surround yourself with people that are on that same journey, mm-hmm. right? You know, think about it like think about it like carpooling, right? If if me and Matt Aaron are out there trying to compete, you know, me and Kevin Grubbs or you know Eric and you know um, and Mike Fox, another really talented painters on the rise, right? If if we're out there just to compete, then we're leaving an opportunity to learn on the table. Right. So that's what I would do. I would recommend anybody who's looking for that journey is, is, is to find somebody that's on that journey that you can share it with. Right. Most of these guys, when you go up and talk to them, they're going to be happy to give you feedback. They're going to be happy to talk to you about their process. They're going to have be happy to tell you about all of the failings, all of the things that didn't go right. And a lot of times the pivots to have to make it right at the end. So if you can absorb some of other people's experience without having to go through and earn your own the hard way. Um, that's a great way to kind of skip the line and, and be able to amplify, uh, you know, your results. We're, we're doing that a bit with, um, our, our discord server, uh, mm-hmm. hobby goblins were, you know, a lot of the paint judging that I'm doing, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be able to, uh, talk to a lot of the people after they've competed, after they've either hit or just missed showcase. And they want to sit down with me for an hour to, to go over their work in great detail. We do that. And every opportunity that I've had to do so, I call it an opportunity because while I'm sharing the things that I've learned and experienced, I'm also pulling from them and from their experiences. So in, in that way, it's, it's sort of like we're both kind of coaching each other in yeah. that sense. We're, we're both amplifying the knowledge that we have. And a lot of times that helps amplify the motivation. Uh, which is probably the scarcest resource in the art world, (laughs) generating that motivation. Yeah. Do you, so in that vein, do you stay in touch with people as you're working on a project? Like you were saying, you were talking with Kevin before his project, you know, do you guys circle back and say, Hey, I tried this technique on this model. Sure. You know, 
So you don't just you sure. don't just lock yourself in a in a hobby dungeon for three months, work on the project, then come back out to the next big event and say, "How did I do?" Right, right. Yeah, um, I, I think there's a lot of people that that have met me at these events on and competed that'll that'll tell you that uh, I'm always available. Um, obviously, of course, scheduling. There's times I might have to push off because of a schedule, but I love nothing more than to help somebody along their journey. Right. Uh, you know, again, I, I soak something up from it each and every time. So there's no altruism in the room here. Uh, mutual benefit. But um, that's that's what that server is meant to be, whether it's me or whether it's any of the other big artists. A lot of these artists that I mentioned, if not all of them, are in that Discord server. And if you pop work over in that Discord server and you say, hey, guys, give me some feedback. What do you think? Right. We've got a community of people that only want to see everybody around them get better. You know, you're just making your own life harder, right? Well, it's a, you know, shameless plug, yeah, right? No, no, I'm just more like, like I know. was more like, you know, a rising tide uh, raises all ships. But the problem is if everyone keeps getting better, either A, as a competitor, you have to get better, or B, as a judge, you have to start getting even more, you know, nitty gritty about who's waiting this, uh, you know. So right. you're just making your own well, like it or not, it's, it's the world we live in. Yeah. When, I, uh, when I got started into this uh, on my journey just a couple of years ago, um, the there wasn't as many people contributing to the art chase as there are now yeah. you know since since i've been active in it i've watched as it's organically event after event grown with more and more people showing up with painted stuff more and more like a higher and higher quality of the people that are really in the top cut you know so that that wave is already trending right um and the best thing to do is you know kind of grab your board and you know join the crowd yeah all right well uh, that was really uh, a really good segment. I really enjoyed that. But I don't want to cut it short, Thanks, but I do kind of want to move us on for time. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. So of course, if people have more questions, they can, of course, find Jacob on, on the Hobby Goblin Discord. How would they find that Discord? Um, well, uh, I, I could rattle off some numbers here, but I'll tell you the easiest way is to go find us on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, go ahead and sub the channel if you haven't already. In the bottom of every video description, uh, there's links to all of our socials. You know, slide yeah. on in there to Discord, reach out to me. I've got a green goblin face. You know, go buy Hosen on Discord, so it should be nice and easy to find. Uh, but yeah, reach out, join the community, say hello. Yeah, so there you go. That was, that was a nice, uh, call it organic plug. Um, but yeah. in, in the vein of, of hobby uh hobbying um nick had this idea and uh, unfortunately he couldn't be here to do this idea with this week but we were talking about uh kind of a hobby wish list uh for the holidays right. everyone's put one of those together and, and and hobby supplies are always like i might not need another gretchen in my entire orc life but i certainly will need more paint and paintbrushes and and all all the tools that come with it so I thought it would, it ended up working out really well with you coming on this week that we could talk about some of the things that people might be looking to put on on their uh, their wish lists for the year. Um, I know yeah, a few definitely. things that I'm I'm looking at that I'll get out of the way and then we'll kind of give you the wheel. Um, awesome. If 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 you're if you're not so much in the the painting hobby space, but if you're trying to up your your hobby room at your house. Um, I always have, uh, you know, I've got uh, the FLG table and mats, um, but now that we have mats and I'm, I'm working on some armies that I want to match the mats, we do now have, oh, I've messed up the PowerPoint. There we go. Nope, messed up the PowerPoint. So <laughs> what happens when I try to talk in PowerPoint at the same time, folks? My brain. Surprisingly, I lecture for a living, so you'd think I could do the two things at the same time, but you never know. Um, we, we do have these nice uh, pre-painted bases to match uh our mats um 
So I, I think that's nice. a, a cool way to go if you're particularly if you're looking to try to get an army up to, to battle ready quickly for an event. And now are those MDF? Yep, those are those are those are the same like MDF pre painted cool. just like our terrain. Um so I, I definitely have armies that are of different scale uh in terms of, of hobby. Um and so some of my more kind of tabletop quality armies like my Votan, like my Necrons, I think something like these are a great way. And it's it's a time saver if you're not doing basing. Um and you can just buy a couple packs of these that are that are ready to go and pop your models on. Sure. Um of course you can do maps. everybody's got different goals yeah, right exactly exactly um and like i said i have different goals even when it comes to different armies my orcs i'm going to try to do everything i can my my right. necron and votan it's get them to the table and make sure i get all my pain points <laughs> when i get to the table um, there you go so you know keep that in mind we've got you know I, I think my wife once compared dice uh to gamers like shoes are to women um so always That's fair. always checking out new dice, um, new trays, new you know tokens. I'm a sucker for all the little tchotchkes that come with with an army. I'm constantly like at night cruising Etsy to see if someone made a new cool thing that I could use in a game for my Votan or my orcs or whatever. So those kind of things are always cool. Um, if there's a big event you're planning for, you know, getting the ticket for that is always a cool thing on your list. Um, but uh, there's a lot more hobby stuff that I don't often when i'm writing my, my monthly hobby budget i'm not thinking about that i end up putting on on wish lists and, and this is kind of where i wanted to pick your brain what are some of the things that we should be putting on our wish list to kind of help up our hobby game okay yeah um i did i did put together a few things yeah. i did so with a, a certain thing in mind um i'm a i'm a bit of a product whore right so i've got way more paint than i'll ever use um brands that i just don't care for because I like better paints, but I'm one that I, I see something and I just have no sense to keep from buying it. So I've tried and tested a ton of stuff. So I put together my wish list, not of things that I want to get, but kind of things that might be better ideas for your wish lists out there mm -hmm. than you know all of the options yeah. about. So I've broken it down into a couple little a couple little uh, categories, right? So brushes. Let's talk about brushes for just a quick moment. Brushes. You know. People know Rosemary and Company. People know Windsor and Newton. You know, people know uh, Da Vinci. Like all of these brushes, sixteen, seventeen dollars a brush, right? Yeah, they yeah. do a great job, right? Um, a brush I wanted to bring to everyone's attention that's done fantastic work for me, um, and and not those. We'll talk about those in a moment. But this is a Tamiya detail brush, oh. right? It's a, uh, it's. You know, Tamiya is meant more for or built more mm -hmm. so with the model cars, yeah. railroads, yeah, you know, World War II sort of uh, historical minis, right? Um, but there's plenty of their products that make their way over. Uh, this brush with the shape of the ferrule uh, makes one of the most amazing fine detail brushes out there. It's about half the cost of a lot of your other fine detail brushes and that you can get a synthetic um, or sable version. Uh, so check that brush out tamiya detail brush um it's a really great tool not saying it's gonna be your go-to brush but it's gonna be a fantastic brush to add to your collection yeah, particularly when you're doing those, those fine details like faces and eyes yeah you got it you got it and then the, po the photo we mentioned just a moment ago <laughs> photo we mentioned uh, saw just a moment ago um every hobby desk needs a good reliable junk brush right a brush that you might not even use the bristles i pull these out to agitate the bottom of a contrast that sat too long because the brush is super rigid it's very thin right so i'm not getting a bunch of excess paint on it and i can dig down into the bottom of a pot and i can throw the thing away 
right? I can dab super glue off the back end of the brush and put it on bases to apply rocks or birch bark seeds or in, in very, and then I can throw it away, right? They're less than five cents a brush. Yep. You should have a drawer full of these things. Right. I like, the, um, I like and texture that's paints just... and that kind of stuff that like, I feel like when you put texture paints on with the, the kind of plastic spatulas, it doesn't look organic on the base. It, it, you get a lot of tool marks. Looks like a lot like icing or something. Yeah, right. But if you do a brush, um, you can you can definitely work it in a bit more and try to have some more thin areas and little raised areas. But yeah, it, it kills brushes left and right. So pile you got it. Super you, worth it. And there's plenty of times you're working with a chunky metallic or something yeah. that you don't want to put on a good good sable brush, and you don't need like your your workhorse just to like put a couple dabs here and there. Um, a, a pack of brushes like that might be ten bucks on Amazon right uh for just a, a huge amount of brushes but a good cheap synthetic brush like the one we just saw pictured a moment ago like those packs from hobby lobby you know get a good round uh, size three through size six you're going to do a lot more painting on those larger brushes than you believe you can uh, especially in the world of glazing with contrast and things like that a good big body round brush um it doesn't need to be anything fancy right yep. uh if we buy all fancy brushes we're throwing money away Make sure you got your good fancy brushes for the things that you need them for, but expand beyond there. Um, everybody should be using a wet palette, and there's wet palettes out there, right? I'm just going to go all over the place for it. I'm just going to make you. Yeah, you, are. you had an order in the images, and now you're just like, woo, go crazy. Well, I think the order in the images was alphabet. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's the order I love them in, Jacob. So we're living in the That's world we got now. That's all great. Um, I had I'd assembled them kind of in this idea with the idea of like the, yeah. uh, this is a lot of your more economical stuff and then some of your more expensive stuff that's worth gotcha. the consideration is added later. So this Master's Wear Brush, uh, Master's Wet Palette right here. Um, this was a wet palette that I remember. My grandmother had an art studio when I was a, a wee lad. And I remember being this five or six years old playing around in her art studio. And I remember this wet palette from way back then. So when I got back into the hobby, you know, a couple of years back, I saw all kinds of where, uh, you know, wet palettes that have magnetic attachments and additional trays and, and bells and whistles. And, um, this is my workhorse, probably the cheapest wet palette you can get on the market. It holds water. It holds a sponge. It holds the paper, right? And it's a, it's a really easy way to fill out that need if you have it without having to shop for something like, you know, kind of kitschy or overpriced. Right. Yeah. So really good low cost tool right here. Yeah. And I, and wet palettes, definitely. If you haven't painted with one before uh, for years, I didn't. And then I made the switch and it's kind of like, once you do, you can't go back just because it extends yeah. your working time so much longer with, with an individual paint. Um, not necessarily like saving it for days, but having it, you know, having a single uh, kind of dollop of paint or dot, depending on what you're using lasts for, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, particularly when you're like, oh, I got to go back and retouch that spot up. You're like, oh, I got some right here. Oh, a wet palette is also a great kind of median for the different types of paint consistencies, right? Mm -hmm. uh, when you put paint on a palette and it takes on that little bit of moisture that, that persists, you've got a space to work with the paint and see how the flow of the paint works before you ever touch another model. A traditional little plastic palette, you're going to just have paint running down the side of the cup and and, you know, it's not going to be nearly as accurate in terms of figuring out where you want your viscosity. Yep. Where am I going next? All right. So next, <laughs> keep you on your toes here. Uh, let's go with another plug. How about um, one of our sponsors, Two Thin Coats Paint? 
Um, not just because they're a sponsor. Long before I got to call them a sponsor, I fell in love with this paint brand. Yep. Um, there are certain things that it does not do. It does not currently have an answer for contrast paint. It will very soon, yep. right? Until then, I'm, until then, I'm, I'm using my contrast paints accordingly. Um, but this is a, a very economically priced paint that is one of the highest quality paints on the market, in my opinion. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's very, very, what I find uh, I like in a paint monument hobbies makes a great paint, mm-hmm. but it works better with a brush than it does an airbrush. Right. Um, scale, you know, you kind of have a similar sort of thing, another great paint. Right. But that's, it's known for its finish. That's it's, it's strong selling point. Not that the paint's real good, that it finishes well. This is a paint that has a great finish. Um, it, 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 converts very well for an airbrush it works very well off of a brush the bottles have agitators in them there's no stupid flip caps right Mm -hmm. uh so if you are in the market for another paint uh, i can tell you this is a paint that i would strongly recommend that you chase out if nothing else go grab the white from any of your local game shops that are shelving it give it a try and see if you don't you don't uh you know drink the kool-aid yeah and and i will say Going back to the, the holiday theme of this, um, most paints, and I, I'm sure Duncan has this in his line, has a, a set that you can buy where you can get the whole color range. Um, right. I know when I'm out like at the hobby shop, hobby shop shopping, I'm picking up, I need this color, I need that color, I need, I'm, I'm shopping specifically. Um, right. And what that has a tendency to do, particularly where, like, where I don't have access to my hobby shop very easily outside of my home, and I go, okay, I need, I, you know, I'm painting a model. I'm like, I really want to do kind of a purple glow effect uh, on this this energy weapon. But I only have two or three purples to work with. Right. And that's it. That's all I've got on my shelf. Um, so if you have the opportunity to throw something on a wish list, throwing something like a whole set with a wide range of colors on there is great because when you, it gives you that chance to play and experiment when you want to instead of going... I need a pink and I'm going to go buy one pink and that's the pink I have until the end of pink. Right. Yeah. No, nope. it's, it's uh, and again, the pricing on it, right. Yeah. It's, it's closer to an army painter price point than it is mm-hmm. a GW price point, but um, the quality on it is, is, is top notch. Yeah. So I always, always enjoy messing around with new paints and I always like having a nice wide array to play with. I'm sure you, I sh- Show me that water bottle. Okay. Can I get a water bottle for five hundred? It was nope. It's this way. Uh, there we go. Water bottle. All right. So this is this is a tool that is dollars, right? Yep. And it is just so valuable. If you do not have one of these kink necked water bottles, you know, the tattoo water bottle, you can search yep. tattoo water bottle on Amazon, pull it right up. If you do not have one of these water bottles on your desk. Man, oh man, let me change your life for $4, okay? Uh, <laughs> this is going to be fantastic for clearing out your airbrush cup. This is going to be fantastic for uh, revitalizing the water in your wet palate. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic for aiming unassumingly at your dogs and just giving a little squeeze as you walk by to see them panic. <laughs> you know, it's got so many, so many valuable uses for this bottle that, you know, uh, everyone should get their hands on one uh, super easy fix. Mm-hmm. I think I actually, uh, I, I don't have those, but I have like uh, the condiment bottles, like the ketchup and mustard shaped bottles. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I of, anything. I, have, I for, a, for a, a cosplay thing I was doing where I was doing a bunch of contacts, meant I have probably another 20 like similarly shaped dropper bottles. Um, but yeah, just having, and I, and so what I do is I have like, here's one full of simple green. Here's one full of alcohol. Here's one full of water. Here's right. one full of Windex, you know, all the different things I need. I'm like, all right, I have all these little bottles. 
So yeah. Right. Uh, just being able to generate pressure out of it, yeah. you know, is it's it's a it's a very valuable tool. It actually took one of my um, what we call the cave around here. The studio space yeah. is a place that we have quite a few different artists of different mediums come through. Uh, one of which is a super prestigious tattoo guy that came around to try some of our hobby, try some miniature painting with us. And you know, he's like, dude, why don't you have one of these bottles that I have in my tattoo shop? That's how it got introduced yeah. to me, and I'll never go without it. Uh, last two items on the list. I don't care which order you put them up here. They're going to cost you a couple ducats, right? Uh, they are they're they're priced um, fairly, but it's not cheap, right? So, yep. you know, put this uh, put all the other stuff on your less expensive uh, wish list, you know, uh, for the the poor dad, and let the rich get dad take care of your uh, ultrasonic cleaner and your airbrush, right? Um, ultrasonic cleaner. There's a photo in there, yep. but any of them are fine. It's going to help you with maintaining uh, a lot of a lot of different things, right? You know, primarily the airbrush yourself. If you're going to spend money on a good airbrush, then you want to be able to have good processes for maintaining that airbrush, um, and a, a good airbrush that yeah. that Infinity by Harder and Steenbeck is going to set you back uh, north of three hundred dollars for that airbrush. Um, but I can tell you with confidence, after having owned just about the entire Iwata line. Um, anything that was over a thousand dollars on an airbrush, I didn't spend for my water. Anything under it, I owned that airbrush at one point in time. Uh, I also owned several badgers, right? Um, I bought a, an Infinity. I started using it. I sold eight airbrushes as a package deal on a steel just to cover the cost of one more of these Infinity airbrushes to make sure I had two on hand. And that is the gospel around here now, right? All the traces of old airbrushes are long gone. The efficiency of these brushes and how they clean, um, it's, it's, it's unmatched from my personal experience. So uh, definitely one of those, if you're, if you're thinking about getting into airbrushes or if you're thinking about stepping up your airbrush, uh, that bad boy right there is Gabo approved. All right. Yeah, I will say airbrushes are definitely a tool that have a pretty significant learning curve if you've never messed with one. Um, but you can take it small steps at a time, you know, just I'm going to do my base coats. I'm going to start doing, okay, and now I'm going to do a little bit of, of uh, a little bit of highlights with it. I might do my priming with it. I might do a little bit of glow effect and you can slowly build that repertoire over time. Um, they can be intimidating. Um, I know a lot of folks when they first start looking at it, their, their eyes kind of bug out, but there's plenty of good tutorials out there online on all the different combinations and things you need to be looking for and there's highly skilled painters out there that are happy to give you their opinions on how to use them right 100 percent. like i said we we leverage the community right we're yep. building this thing together everybody should reap the fruits of their labor right you know leverage the community especially in the art world man we love to share um i see there's a question in chat from kevin i'd like to uh, address that for you kevin look you don't need an ultrasonic there's nothing that says that like that it's going to improve uh, what you've been doing, especially with 10 years of experience with it. I will tell you that when it comes time to fully reset my airbrush, there are so many nooks and crannies that you just physically cannot get to with an airbrush that I can disassemble it entirely. I can place it into the sonic cleaner. I can use just the pressure off of that bottle I love to knock out any loose bits. And I've got basically what's like a brand new airbrush again. So every every two to three months when I'm on one of my studio cleaning days, you know, I'm gonna drop all those airbrush components right in there. I'm gonna let it do its thing and I'm gonna come back later on to it. So uh, not a necessity, but I think that it's a quality of life thing that, you know, if you do enough airbrush. A lot of, lot of work with your airbrush. Definitely. 
So you want to keep that thing flowing well. Um, Kicker uh, threw another one in chat, and I actually um, put this one on my my wish list for my birthday this summer. Uh, a pain shaker. Um, yeah. A little pressure, you know, the little, I don't even know what they're called. The vortex mixers, that's what they're called. Vortex mixer. You um, got it. It seems so dumb. You're like, I can shake my paint bottle. What do I need this for? And I put one on my, my, my list, and my wife ended up getting it for me. And I was like, oh, cool. And then once I started using it, I was like, Oh, I definitely haven't been uh-huh. shaking my paint up nearly enough every time. Um, and right. it's so easy just to hold it there for three seconds and know every time I'm going to get the same consistency uh, out of out of that paint bottle every time. Yeah, no, that'd be that'll be a good pull for you. I mean, especially a lot of your enamels that separate. Um, there's a product called Dirty Downs, yeah. right? Uh, makes a rust, they make a, a moss, all of that, and they're they're basically three components. You let the bottle sit for five minutes, and it separates into layers like a birthday cake. So uh, it's one of those that, like having the vortex mixer to make sure you've got a really solid mix is yeah, particularly with, like the thicker well, contrast too. I found those, like you said, those mm-hmm. tend to settle out a lot, so reagitating those are, are great. Mm-hmm. You take one of them cheap old junk brushes we talked about for five cents per. Yeah, that vortex mixer, creamy. Yep. All right. Well, I, hopefully that gives everyone a good little bit of a holiday shopping list and some some ideas on some tools that they can be messing around with here in the future. Um, we're gonna get going into our our FLG uh, network news and then our plugs, and we're gonna send this one to bed because we've been going for a while already, Jacob. Um, I, I like to keep people talking late, man. It's a bad habit of mine. That's fine. That's fine. I figured, I figured you and I first time running solo, we're going to go long anyway. So it's, it's fine. Um, you know, the hobby goblins, uh, check those guys out. They've been streaming. Uh, I was just talking to Jacob pre-show. They just crossed the 500, uh, subscriber mark on their YouTube channel. So if you're not subscribed, get over there and help those boys out. But that's a huge milestone. So I wanted to congratulate you guys on that. Thanks guys. Um, yeah. If you have any interest in the new Imperialis, uh, the the epic scale Horus Heresy game, uh, our friends over at the Angry Joe Show have started playing that on their live show. So I know I'm personally excited for that. And I know a few uh, of the Army Esports team that I was seeing this weekend, uh, like Red Pal and Chris Palp, are super into it. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to kind of see that game. I really want to mess around with it. I haven't got a chance to mess around with it yet, but it's on my to-do list. Um, and then finally, our friends over at Party at the All Points, uh, they they have their normal, uh, we'll call it lighthearted banter uh, for, for a good half of their show. Um, and then they start actually talking about their, their AOS tournament and travel plans for 2024, um, which is a great way to kind of highlight some lists or some events that should be on your list going into the future. So uh, kind of keep those guys on your radar. I'm excited to see what they've got coming up. But uh, if you remember, Jacob, we do a community spotlight every week where where we ask our viewers to post some images of, of what they've been working on. Um, right. So uh, we've got a few that to shout out here. And uh, I thought it would nice. be fun if uh, you point out some of the, maybe the, the techniques that are on display here. We have our first one up is, let me pull it up for you. Uh, this is Dustin. Uh, he's been working on some gaunts. Uh, there's going to be a, a heavy nid theme on this weekend. Um, but what do we see here that kind of stands out on this guy? On this um, he's got... You just got good use of color theory. Now I've got a, a small image. Let me see if I can figure out. Uh, I'm a I'm a bit like kicker in terms of uh, I don't know how technology works. So let me see if I can figure out how to make it bigger. There we are. There we have it. Um, no, I love the colors on it. I love the I love the fleshiness on the soft part. You know that yeah. that helps me feel like the the carapace itself is is hard by contrast. So good use of uh good use of that. Um, I think the next level for him is to. You know, bring those bases, you know, yeah. just, just up a notch and a little more love on them. Yep. Yep. 
he's got some some slime coming out of, i think those are spine fists technically um but he's kind of tried to tie that that green slime coming out of that a little bit on the base but um you could even slap some of that technical on that to kind of give it that that sheen that maybe that a little couple of splashes where you can yeah. see it's kind of dripping and yeah. but yeah no it's super cool yeah. man it's super cool great work man uh, we've got a, a pretty early work in progress here. Uh, this one is Dale's uh, Seraphon side project. Um, I thought it was interesting nice. in him. That, to me, looks definitely like some air, airbrush work on those bases, right? Yeah, it does, yeah. I, I mean, I, unless he's doing some, like, slap chop sort of thing with some color. Yeah, but I I like the, I mean, obviously, Seraphon, you know, jungle theme, pretty pretty in keeping with them. Uh, but the vegetation bases were kind of cool. Um, Dude, those bases are going to be rad. Yeah, because he's he's done a lot of work on the ferns. There's a few flowers. I'm interested to see how he's going to tie in what look like those warriors uh, that are in that blue there. Um, I don't know if they're going on these bases or not. It makes me wonder if he might have them either puttied to the other base or just a small dollop of super glue he can yeah, pop off in the freezer off, later yeah. to give him a, something to work off of. Yeah, because definitely, you know, with doing the, the airbrush work on these, you probably it's a lot easier to separate the model from the base in this scenario. Uh, yeah, and having those two pieces that you combine at the end. All right, and then I, I thought you really would enjoy this one. This is our our friend Gerard over at GDM Studios, um, and his first hobby progress picture was cleaning his studio. Yeah, uh, and so then he could get to his next hobby progress picture of this seeker here that he's been working on. Ooh, now very nice. Yeah, now, having a clean studio, man. It's uh. I only do it every so often because it takes a lot of work. Every project. My hobby project is a very close image of my models and not my room. Dude, every it's project a... is a reason to just destroy the space. Oh, it's yeah, it's really cool. what it is. I, I took the Dude, smallest room in our house for my hobby room and uh, I quickly filled that up. Well, my wife was smart. She said, look, just take the living room and the dining room and just give me a bedroom to watch TV in. Yes. <laughs> you're like okay great well <laughs> we uh i think that's about it for tonight man uh i really awesome. uh, appreciate you hopping on and and uh kind of taking us through this hobby centric episode it's been really fun it's been a great change of pace so i like doing these when we get a chance um also i just Not haven't seen you in a while um we haven't yeah, crossed paths in the wild for a bit so it's just nice to kind of catch up and chat so dude 100 percent, man 100 percent. i appreciate the opportunity to get on here you know last minute or heads up doesn't matter reach out anytime i'm i'm always happy to to hang out with some friends of mine man and uh i hope to see it an event soon yeah yeah i'll definitely be around uh we'll, we'll cross paths soon i'm sure uh but folks don't forget check out uh the hobby goblins youtube channel also they have their facebook page where they do i think work in progress mondays um right i think it might have a slightly different acronym for it but it's in the same vein and of course check out their discord uh support those boys over there we do love them and of course say hi to them at their events they might have a fun or event or two going on at lvo like maybe maybe the uh what is it the scavenger hunt again uh i don't know that we're going to get that one executed oh, i know okay. that the uh the photo booth itself to get all the props out there and get a backdrop out there and, and create that has taken a lot of energy uh the one last thing i want to add to what you had to say there yeah. is if you're out there um looking at getting out to one of these events either lvo or even something coming into 2024 mm -hmm. uh and you want a second set of eyes for the art that you're working on hit that discord come say hello i'm i'm, I'm happy to spend some time with you all right well Thank you so much for joining us, Jacob. We really appreciate you having you on. My pleasure. And thank you guys so much for watching. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Signals from the Frontline. Everyone, have a great week, and we will see you next Wednesday. Good night. Good night.